Welcome back, Telesales Beast. I got my buddy, Michael Gordon. He's a Sandler training franchise owner out here in Los Angeles, California, in the Valley, in Calabasas, California, Agora Hills area. Funny story how we met. You don't want to miss it on this episode. The three-foot rule, if you know anything about Sandler training, and if you don't, tune into it. Because now, of course, we got to make it the six-foot rule. So check out this episode. Had a lot of fun on this one. Let's get dialed in. You're dialing in to the All Things Telesales Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lynn. If the phone is your weapon, this is your podcast. We're changing the perception of telesales. We're a tribe of telesales professionals who believe in compassion before commission. We're empowering the call coaching experience by starting with the person and salesperson. When we take care of the person, the calls take care of themselves. Your call is very important to us. Please hold. All right, I got my buddy Michael Gordon here with me. And it's a funny story how we met. We met at a gymnastics class pre-corona. <laughs> and I overheard him talking about uh, Toastmasters. And I said, man, I, I've been looking at doing Toastmasters, man. And I'm kind of still kind of new to L.A. and trying to figure where things at and who are, who's who. And, and I overheard him say it. And uh, come to find out, I'll let him tell a little bit of the story too. But he's a Sandler sales training franchisee owner. And, uh, and I instilled, uh, I implemented the three foot rule before he could. Welcome to the show, Michael Gordon. What's up, man? Yeah, Jake, thanks for having me. <laughs> Love this story, the three foot rule. It's, that's some real Sandler original content that most people don't know about and thought that was cool that you were implementing it. And that's, that's how we got here today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Now that three foot rule, you said it turned into the white rule. Yeah. So it's the six foot rule now, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's a whole different kind of story. Yeah. So what that rule, tell us a little bit about that rule, what that represents, what you're supposed to do with it. Yeah. So David Sandler had this idea of, of behavior traps and I, you probably wouldn't know this and most people don't, but David Sandler was an introvert didn't, was not a people person, didn't like talking to people. So he made a behavior trap called the three foot rule, which basically said anytime he got within three feet of someone, he had to ask him what they did because many times it would turn into a conversation of, Oh, I sell, I sell insurance. And then he would be in a sales call. So that's what the three foot rule is. Got it. Yeah, man. Awesome. I love it. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I've had the opportunity to really get to know you and your wife's friends with my wife now. We've actually, before all this quarantine stuff, we've actually had the pleasure of sitting down because you live on the other end of Lost Virginis here in Calabasas. But, so I know you and I've enjoyed getting to know you. But for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I guess I'll start with how I got into Sandler. I've been been in sales my whole life since I graduated college, got into startup and tech sales back in 2012. And it was always a big sales enthusiast, read all the books, listened to all the audios. And the company that I was at brought in Sandler training. And it was, I, I thought it was so different than anything else I'd ever seen or heard or imagined out there. It worked really well. I, I mean, immediately upon learning it, starting to use it, I could see my numbers grow. I mean, I could say I almost doubled my sales in the first couple months. And 
you know, as what usually happens in tech, we went through a number of acquisitions. I took Sandler with me and new people that would get hired at companies would always ask if I could help them out. So I'd, I'd help people out with Sandler with what I knew about it. And finally, in 2018, I got to the point where I said I believe in this stuff enough to quit a great job in tech, uh, good, good base salary, good commissions, good benefits, and start my own Sandler business. Oh, wow. <laughs> awesome, man. So, uh, yeah, I know you told me, like, there was no hesitation, man. You knew that that's what you wanted to do, man. You were, like, so far from indecisive. You, you made up your mind that's what you wanted to do, and you went all in. Yeah, all in. Quit my job, wrote a, wrote a pretty decent-sized check to, to buy the franchise, and that was it. Yeah. So, you know, I love it having get to know you and some of the things that, that you implement through that training and some things that I need to definitely uh, adopt as well. The first thing is certainly time blocking. So when I text you and about hopping on a, uh, a zoom so I could show you some of the training courses and stuff I'm developing myself for phone sales. And you're like, well, it has to be after this time, this is called prospecting tiled. I was like, dude, we gotta, we gotta get you on the podcast <laughs> and talk about that. So tell me, man, um, tell me a little bit about that. Like the, the call blocking and all these different things that you do for time management to prioritize and let's kind of walk me through that. Yeah, happy to. So in Sandler, we have a thing that we call pay time, no pay time. What that really means in simple terms is pay time is activities that you can do that are going to generate revenue, generate income, prospecting, selling, the actual delivery of your product or service and everything else administrative, you know, updating your CRM, whatever else it is that you need to do is what we call no pay time stuff, things that don't make you any money. So we train our clients and we practice ourselves that typically from the hours of eight to five or whenever it is that your prospects are available, that's pay time. And the rest of the time is when you're doing no paid stuff like administrative tasks or anything else that you need to do that's not going to make you money. Right. Um, mentor of mine, David Meltzer, he calls it, um, Activity you get paid for and activity you don't get paid for. There it is. Yeah. So how do we, um, you know, it's, it's some kind of accountability or something like that to really be able to, you know, begin to enforce this. You know, how do we, you know, you know, the person that's clear within themselves and they know, you know, what it is that they need to do and get done for that day. You know, they, they're definitely more, um, successful right people who plan ahead tend to live a lot more enjoyable lives than those just wing it <laughs> but so how do we how do we like gravitate towards this type of structure yeah so i think there's two answers to this one is having a goal and we you know, when we say having a goal having a short-term goal something like a daily goal a uh, medium-term goal like what's your goal for the year and then having a long-term goal like a goal for five years but Really, the idea is that instead of just trying to figure out or guess what it is, if you set a goal for yourself of, I want to make $150,000 this year, then you work backwards to that. And there's a number of ways we do it. We call this a cookbook. So we know that if an average client to you is worth, say, you know, $10,000, that means you need to make 15 sales per year. And how do, what, what's the behaviors and the activities we need to do to make 15 sales per year? That means that 
a hundred calls gives you five meetings and five meetings ultimately turns into one brand new client, then you know you need to make a hundred calls to get a new client, which means that you can back into that number knowing that you can make a hundred calls or somewhere around 120 calls per month is going to get you to that number, which then you just break it down a little bit more by the number of days that you're planning on working. And that's, that is your cookbook. That is your daily activity. And it doesn't need to be cold calls or emails, but it's a mixture of different prospecting activities, calls, meeting with clients, asking for referrals that gets us to there. So if we know the behavior that'll get us to our goal, we know what we need to do each and every single day for us to be successful and hit our goal. That's what we call the cookbook. So you can wake up in the morning, you know that I got 30 calls to make. I need you know, five LinkedIn messages. I need to ask two clients for referrals. You know the things that you need to do each and every single day. You can time block those, put on your calendar from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. I'm calling from, you know, take a little break, clear your head from 11.15 to one o'clock. I'm, you know, maybe sending email messages, maybe having conversations with existing clients asking for referrals, but you know what you need to do each and every single day and you cross it off the list as you go. And that's really how you, A, come up with that plan and B, make sure that you do the behaviors each and every single day. Right on. I love it, man. So with that in mind, um, you also have, so you have a cookbook, so you're writing these things down and I believe writing stuff down helps you to execute first and foremost, write it down. Um, but also you'd mentioned to me, you have like this journal and you also I mentioned like the, the words and power of affirmations, like I am statements. Tell me, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we're big Sandler. Everyone in Sandler is big on journaling and we tell all of our clients or we ask our clients to do it. Some of them really get into it, but journaling serves a couple of purpose, a couple of purposes. Like you said, affirmation statements are great to a great way to build your belief in something, build your belief in yourself. It's a great way to get rid of what we call head trash or unsupportive beliefs. Some people as an example have a really hard time talking about money because a lot of us grew up and our parents said it's not polite to talk about money. So we're in sales and we need to talk about money. We need to understand people's budgets, have that conversation and people don't feel comfortable with that. So journaling things like it's okay to talk about money. It's part of my job to talk about money. It's my responsibility to talk about money. Writing those things down helps us, I guess, integrate that concept into our, ourself, our psyche. Um, also writing down your, your goals, your behaviors, your intentions for the day. And then you can write a review of the previous day, the things that happened, the things that were a success, lessons learned, and also you know, failures and failures are part of life. It's part of sales. It's part of growing. So the failing is a good thing as long as you learn a lesson, you don't do it again. So those are the types of things that, that I journal about. Those are the types of things that we work with our clients on journaling about. Nice. So um, last night I was Googling straight line selling. I wanted to kind of like dive into that a little bit and I have come across a blog. I don't know if you're familiar, you probably are, but um, the cure for straight line selling. And um, David Sandler had wrote, if you live a straight line in an unstraight world, you're going to get killed. <laughs> Salespeople get metaphorically killed daily by selling in a straight line. So 
Can we dive into that a little bit? Yes, we can. So do you have a specific question or you just want me to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, man, just talk to me a little bit about it because, you know, a lot of people, especially selling life insurance over the phone, they are so stuck on, uh, I'm going to be the Jordan Belfort in the straight line selling. And um, I want want to dive into it. Like, we got a couple minutes. Let's, Let's talk about it. Yeah, so... Sandler selling is based on psychology. So it's, it's powerful and it's powerful because I'm not saying, obviously I'm biased and I think Sandler is great, but some of these concepts, a lot of these concepts are based on psychology on how people think. So some people might say, and I I think there's some truth to it that the, some of the content in Sandler could be manipulative. And I, I think I would agree with that in, in a way. And David Sandler would say that it might, it's manipulative, but it's manipulative and that we're manipulating people to help achieve the best interest for themselves. And a good example of that is a lot of times people, especially buyers, the first question they ask is what's, you know, what's the price? How much does it cost? And we know that when somebody asks that question, it's, it's not the right question. It's not that we like to hide price, but there's a process. And when somebody finds out the price before they really understand what the cost of the problem is, they may make the decision that, you know, I'm just going to go with the cheapest option. And the cheapest option usually isn't the best option. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. And the prospect doesn't end up getting what they need. So we have a lot of, I guess, techniques that are, you know, reversing, negative reversing that, really help guide the conversation to help the client discover what's really in their best interest. So when he talks about if you sell, if you sell straight in an unstraight world, you're going to get killed. What he meant was if we let the prospect completely dominate the conversation and ask what prices is the first question, it doesn't work out very well for the salesperson. It doesn't work out very well for the prospect because they typically end up buying a solution that doesn't answer all their problems. And then, Two months later, they're stuck with a product that doesn't work and they're having to go back again and rebuy or reevaluate something that's really going to fit their needs. So when I think when David Sandler said, if you sell straight in an unstraight world, you're going to get killed. That's what he meant. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, he went on to, I think, say like salespeople sell in a straight line when they're attached to the outcome of their interaction with their prospect typically closing a sale, he said, instead of being attached to the process of disqualifying. Yeah. So being attached to the outcome is kind of what most people think. And people typically think about sales is the outcome for most salespeople is I want to get a sale. I want to get an order. I want to get paid. Yeah. But that can create a situation where, we have what you call happy years where a prospect says, Oh yeah, I'm interested. Salesperson gets excited, really gets attached to the fact that they think they're going to make a sale. They're going to make money, but they haven't taken the time to ask the questions to really qualify hard. And we have a, a saying in Sandler called qualify hard, close easy, where we're going for the note. We're trying to tell people this might not be a fit. Why do you think that, why do you think this solution might be good for you? Why are you interested? So, really following a process and listening and 
if it's a no, finding out it's a no and deciding that early rather than being attached to the outcome, which typically most people think of as closing the sale. So again, when you follow a process, it takes the emotion out of the, the sales environment for a salesperson and lets you ask the tough questions that typically people don't want to hear and people don't ask what, you know, do you have a budget set aside for this? And they spend a lot of time, give a proposal. And then someone says that's completely out of our price range because they didn't want to ask about that, about the budget at the right time. They didn't want to ask what the decision-making processes was at the right time because they were just too focused on closing the sale, getting a guess rather than figuring out if it was truly a qualified prospect to begin with. Right. So what I'm hearing is it's uh, is that compassion before commission, emotionally detaching from the outcome to care enough to ask the right questions at the right time to, you know, it may not be a good fit, you know, but do what's in the best interest of the prospect at all times and let them know, you know, maybe, maybe we're not the right fit. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, I think the, the great thing about Sandler is that it's, again, I'm biased, but it's, it's the least convincing sales methodology out there. In fact, sometimes people are surprised, really surprised when they hear that. And, you know, a number of times I've had prospects say, I'm, I'm surprised that you're trying to disqualify me. And it really is. It's, it's really figuring out if it's the right fit and getting, getting to a no before, you know, before you waste any more time, your time, the prospect's time. And I think that concept right there is number one, saves salespeople a lot of time and it's really different than other things prospects have heard. Usually prospects are scared that, you know, when's the salesperson going to try and close me. But when you have someone say, you know, this isn't a good fit or doesn't seem like it's the right thing. Are you comfortable telling me, you know, thanks, but no thanks. And that creates a really open environment and it creates a lot of different conversations and different outcomes than people typically find in sales. Yeah. So like the cure for straight line selling is to treat an interaction with the prospect like you would a conversation like we're having right now on this podcast. You know, a typical conversation does not follow a straight path. I mean, we're totally unscripted here. You weren't even prepared for me to talk about straight line selling. You know, it's just like this is how the the conversations, they they just don't follow a straight path. Correct. I, I agree. They don't. And it's you know, the part I really like is, and I think, I think our clients are always surprised to hear is that we ask a lot of questions. And I think just in sales in general, whether it's Sandler methodology or any other methodology, one of the characteristics of a good salesperson is asking really good questions. And that with the idea of uncovering information, understanding, because sometimes the process, we have a, a Sandler rule that the the problem the prospect brings is never the real problem because a lot of times if people create the problem themselves, they're not aware that it exists or they're not sure how that happens. So we need to understand what the problem is. We need to help them understand what's going on. And again, really deciding that this may not be something that we can fix or conversely, this may not be something that you see as a solution. And we're really about uncovering that and helping the customer, the prospect, decide whether or not it is or it is not a good fit on their own. Sure. And let me ask you this, um, you know, in your opinion, asking questions 
do they always have to be open-ended questions, uh, closed-ended questions, or can they be open-ended questions too? Typically, you want to ask open-ended questions, and there's, you know, exceptions to the rule, but yeah. if you're, you know, we, if, you, if you know Sandler, and you may know this, we have a thing called the 70-30 rule, which means during a sales call, the prospect should be talking 70% of the time, salesperson should be talking 30% of the time. So if you're asking closed-ended questions, you're going to get very short answers, and you're going to mm typically end up over talking, which means that you're talking about your product a whole bunch rather mm -hmm. than listening to the prospect and understanding what their situation is. So yeah. yes, is there a time for closed-ended questions sometimes, but generally we want open-ended questions that really open the conversation. Like you said, create a discussion of understanding back and forth. Right. Yeah. I love that, that 70, 30 rule. Um, there's a lot of technology out there for certain teams to implement like gong and chorus where they can, um, go back and see their monologues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Gong's a Gong's a great tool, and I know I know we've done some some studies together with them, and they're a Sandler partner. But it's there. There really is a lot of power in kind of knowing what's you know what in a conversation works well. What are the some of the phrases that typically cause a you know have a higher rate of, of closure for a sales rep versus words that kind of end the sales process sooner or bring a conversation to price too soon or, you know, turn a, a really good product into a commodity where it's all about price. So I, I think Gong and some of the other tools out there are great for that. Yeah. And when we first uh, hopped on here before we were able to uh, really get into the meat and potatoes of this, you had mentioned, man, like, you're you're crazy busy right now, man. How are you handling all that? I a couple things. Um, I mean, one of the things I talk about is just having an an attitude of of gratitude, being grateful for the things we have, yeah. trying to add extra support for our clients. We I've added an extra training session per week for our clients because I know that. People are making two decisions right now. They're saying, you know, this is tough and we're just going to try and, you know, get through this and hope this passes quickly. And there's other people out there and, you know, hopefully these are our clients and the, the, you know, the sales professionals in the world who understand that this is a terrible situation, but there's a lot of opportunity out there. So the things that you're doing now, even if they're not directly generating sales, but providing value, I know I've been doing some talks for a lot of, a lot of free talks for a lot of groups are the things that are going to help people right now. And once things get back to normal, people are going to remember the things that you did to help them. And mm. I think that's how people, when we talk about capturing the opportunity right now, it's not always about making the sale right now. It's about creating value, building goodwill and all that typically comes, comes back to paying dividends down the road. Yeah, for sure, man. It just reciprocates, you know, it, it does. It's, um, the, the, the law of, of, uh, of compensation, the more, I think it says the more you help other people, the more you get back yourself. Yeah, for sure. Awesome, man. Uh, I definitely looking forward to all this, be able to, you know, kick back and enjoy another one of those mules in that copper can. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, it's stuff. great. It's great having the virtual happy hours in zoom, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's no, right, yeah. nothing beats, 
just being in person and getting back to the three foot rule. Right. And, um, you know, we both have little girls too, you know, and they're ready to get back in gymnastics. We had to buy a little format for Layla. Uh, so she could be flipping as she says, flipping in the house. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, it, it's, I think that's, you know, working from home, it's been enjoy. I, it's been great in that I'm, I'm spending more time with my family than I ever have, but you know, we both have daughters that are almost three years old and every morning she wakes up and she says, I miss school. And it's hard to explain to her exactly what's going on. It's hard to explain to someone who's not quite three yet that right. the world is sick and that everything is closed down. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a tough one to deal with. I'm sure you guys have the same thing. Yeah, it's like anytime I go to take the trash out or anything, like step out. Oh no, I don't want daddy to go outside. I don't want daddy to get sick. <laughs> you know, it's uh, but yeah, it it it's definitely a, a challenging time for a lot of people, man. Um, but I definitely know that um, a lot of what we talked about here today is um, like a light in the darkness. Um, so I appreciate you coming on today, brother. Where can people find you? Yeah, thank. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Glad I could come on and share this with you on your podcast. So they can find me at www.gordon.sandler.com. Okay, gordon.sandler.com. Correct. Awesome. And also, I'll drop the uh, LinkedIn profile. We're connecting on LinkedIn, so I know you're open networker. So anybody want to network with Michael and kind of ask him a couple of questions, I'm sure he's happy to help. Absolutely. Anytime. Awesome, man. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah. Thanks for again. Thanks for having me on. Visit allthingstelesales.com for additional resources that can help you drive more revenue. Did you like today's episode? If so, subscribe. So next week's episode will be available for you. And if you really like today's episode, leave a five-star review. It's a good way to get the word out there. And if not, check out another episode. Maybe then you'll be able to rate the show five stars. Anyone you'd like to hear from on the show, send an email to podcast at allthingstelesales.com. I'd love to hear from you. Don't threaten me with a good time. This episode was awesome.